Oh, God. <laughs> That's hot. <laughs> That's not hot. It looks weird. I have low standards. <laughs> Welcome to the Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome with Melissa Kirscher and Wendy Bowlesby. Dear listeners, to Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. I am Melissa, and this is my co-host, Wendy. And Wendy is more sober than I am, so if I'm slurring, I'm very sorry. So, uh, we are here to talk about movies, and uh, specifically this week. This week, which is the week of the turn of the year, we're going to talk about party movies. Party! 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 But for right now, we need to talk about what we're drinking. What are you drinking, Wendy? Because it is a party. I am drinking uh, yet more. Look, I found it for less than $6 at the grocery store wine. This is a party. Oh, yes. It On the bottle, it says, a very happy holiday. How pleasant is that? Oh, that that is so sweet. It's very inviting. Yes, it's a yellowtail. I love yellowtail brand wines because they are number one, cheap, number two, drinkable. So... Right there. They're Australian wines. This is their winter red blend. I'm a fan of yellowtail blend wines because they tend to just be like punch. I can drink the shit out of them. Yes. <laughs> oh, and the, the little labely thing is uh, kind of glittery sparkly, so it's very festive. <laughs> oh my god, glitter on the label? It, what's, it's, um, it's holographic glittery. Oh, 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 very good. Very so, good. So it's it's very festive, right? It catches your eye of like, oh, look, let's have a party. There's a party in my bottle and you're invited. Very yeah. 80s. I remember yeah. great parties in the 80s. <laughs> yes. What are you drinking? I am drinking. Okay, so I found this craft soda in my refrigerator. It's called Kickapoo. <laughs> Kickapoo Fruit Shine. Kick shit kicker? It's shit kicker it's, soda? It's kickapoo. Yeah. Uh, sangria flavored carbonated drink. Oh. And, and it says contains no alcohol. And if you turn it around to the nutrition facts, it says contains no juice. So it's pretty much just sugar. It tastes like sweet tarts. But, um, you know, to make up for the fact that the label says contains no alcohol, I am um, pouring in New Amsterdam vodka. I love you. And it works. I bet it does. It does. It does work. It does work. So um, here here it is to Kickapoo and vodka. Bravo. <laughs> Bravo, my friend. Yeah, yeah. Um, we'll see how I do through the rest of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Dear listeners, we've already recorded one episode where I killed most of a bottle of port. So I am both high on sugar and alcohol. So, uh, yeah. And I am yeah. running to catch up, so um, we'll see how I do. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Awesome. Oh, All right. I got to... Oh, hold on. All right. 
It's like Muppets drinking. <laughs> drunk Muppets. If there were drunk Muppets, that would be us. Yes. I have, I'm wearing a poncho with fringe on it. I feel like I am halfway to Muppet right now. Okay, so okay. we're going to talk about party movies now. Party movies. Do you want to start, Mundy? I will. All right, yeah. listeners. So Melissa and I had, Melissa may cut it from earlier chatter, um, like splice it in. We had a brief discussion about well, what did we mean by party movies? Mm-hmm. So since we agreed that it could also just be a movie with a great party in it, I decided to define great party as a party that is important to the plot. Yes. At least for a couple of these movies. And so um, as I sort of went over my shelves of movies looking for inspiration, what leapt out at me but West Side Story. Yay! Right? Because you have the the dance. Mm-hmm. The dance at the community center where Maria and Tony first meet. And f- first off, it's just, be- oh, it's just beautiful dancing is happening. Mm-hmm. Now, um, in turn, and uh, I don't know how much you know about West Side Story, but originally Jerome Robbins was hired to direct the film. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's the original director choreographer from Broadway and all the choreography in the movie is his and it's amazing dear listeners it's amazing like if you've never seen the West Side Story movie oh my god go just watch it because the choreography is amazing and watch it on the biggest screen possible with the best possible print because it is there's a beautiful blu-ray out uh, in glorious widescreen it is like filmed in epic proportions it's beautiful very much so mm-hmm. um but uh the studio didn't have complete faith in him and they took the movie away from him and i'm trying to remember who they gave it to robert wise that's right yep that's right i'm like it's some classic film director mm-hmm. um and i love robert wise and it it's uh but you can when you're watching the movie especially if you're a film nerd you can kind of feel that it's a little tonally disjointed because robert wise was i mean here's this movie that's very the the story that jerome robbins i mean his choreography is so athletic it's so passionate it's so raw and when robert rise robert wise hello i have been drinking it's kicking it now (laughs) oh excellent when he takes over it's got a coolness to it it's got Mm -hmm. It's got a little bit too much control. Yeah. And Robert so, Wise is a very um, stoic director. Yeah. He, a, a beautiful director. His his shot composition is amazing. Um, his, his pacing is very good. He's a great director. Um, not necessarily the right one for this movie, but it yeah. is beautiful to look at. Yeah. So if you watch it and you're... And, there are there are problems with the movie. I'm just saying that. But mm-hmm. so here is this party scene where um, the two warring factions basically have both been invited to this community center to try to get everybody to just get along, and it's this dance battle. Like, to- like this was a groundbreaking idea to retell Romeo and Juliet in the idiom of the 50s at that time, which was in the the Upper West Side of Manhattan, which was a battleground for gangs at mm-hmm. the time. So in much the same way that Hamilton is breaking new ground, I mean, Hamilton is the descendant of West Side Story mm-hmm. in that it's taking this older idea and updating it and making it fresh and relevant and new simply by putting it in current context. So this dance scene that happens 
just plays up like you know they try to dance together but then one becomes dominant and shoves the other off and then the other comes dominant and shoves you off then they try to dance together and then tony and maria come in and they see each other and that's the moment but then they're pulled apart and and it's a beautiful scene and this is life-changing this party is life-changing and it changes the fate of everybody in the movie Mm -hmm. and it's so great and it leads to my favorite dance number in the whole movie, which is, of course, America, which happens <laughs> on a rooftop, which has George Chakiris and Rita Moreno. And they're mm-hmm. both beautiful people dancing in beautiful ways. Ah! And I think Amer- I, I'm into America specifically because of the music, because it's Bernstein. And um, it's it's in some crazy time signature. It's like 7-11 for a time signature or something bizarro like that. It's like 7-8 because it's da 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 one two three Or it's like alternating measures of 5-8 and 7-8 or something like that. It's something crazy like that. I remember looking it up once upon a time and now because I'm drunk, I don't remember. But... It's incredible music if you're a music nerd. It is. And the the choreography is so fantastic. Like, even though the movie as a whole is a bit of a downer, the yeah. dancing is so oh. revelatory and yeah. so powerful. The whole opening sequence, that's Jerome Robbins. That yeah. is still very firmly under his control. And the way he tells the story of all of these fights happening through choreography and it's masculine and it's powerful and it's so great. And then you get G Officer Krupke, which is some of Bernstein's most clever lyrics. Mm-hmm. Um, although was that Bernstein or was that Sondheim? Because Sondheim wrote some of the lyrics. Yeah. Well, I think Bernstein was more of the, the composition. Yeah. Yeah. But G Officer Krupke is so damned clever. Yeah. Although, I mean, for my money, the the biggest Oop, the, the biggest win in dancing is cool. Oh yeah. I love cool. Cool is amazing. That that whole sequence. I mean, I, I often talk about the you know, the magic moment, the magic scene in certain movies where, you know, the movie's okay, the movie's okay, and then there's like one scene that's fucking perfect. Cool is perfect. Cool is, um, by the way, the dance number that everybody who ever does the show on stage looks forward to. It's like, that's why you want to be a jet, not a shark. Oh, yeah. I mean, but on the other hand, if you're a shark, you get to do America. So, Uh, uh, yeah, America's good too. But, but at least everybody gets something. In terms of dance, cool is where it's at. What do you got, (laughs) Melissa? I've got, I'll go with super bad. Super bad. Okay, so I've only seen Super Bad once, so you might have to help me a little bit because I don't remember it very well. I remember it, it's a lot of fun. I've only seen it once too, but oh. I remember liking it. And I feel like, why don't, and I then was like, why don't I own that? I know, right? And I should have studied it more. <laughs> I love that you just jumped in and said, I'm going to put it on my list anyway. Yeah, I'm, uh, let's, let's watch it again. So Super Bad. Um, I mean, I feel like it it is notable alone for giving us Christopher Mintz Platts. Yes. <laughs> because he is amazing in this. Um, young Christopher Mintz Platts, who must have been like 12 
when filming this movie because he wasn't very old. Um, carrying a fake ID and uh, passing <laughs> and- himself off it as older, you know, and then eventually getting like a right along with the cops. Uh, it's just kind of brilliant. And not just any cops. Yeah. One of them <laughs> is Seth Rogen. Yes. In one of his best roles. <laughs> and this is a this is Michael Cera. Yeah. And Jonah Hill. I mean, this was all yep. three of them, right? I mean, we knew who they were. This wasn't like, oh, we don't know who these people are. We went to see because we knew they were good. But this is kind of the movie that cemented, yeah, these guys can carry a film. Yeah. And we've got Emma Stone and, uh, you know, this whole set of players culminating in a very solid party comedy. Oh, yeah. It, 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 It does not have high expectations and yet how it treats its characters is uh is very well done actually like unexpectedly so given the level of entertainment that you were expecting well i mean (laughs) these types of movies were big in the 80s and um like when melissa and i were talking about party movies it's like well there's revenge of the nerds there's weird science Mm -hmm. there's 16 candles and when you really stop to think about all of those Oh, oh yeah! It's especially Revenge of the Nerds, which is rape central. Um, um, oh, sixteen oh candles! Are yeah. you my American girlfriend? Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 and yeah, also, icky, icky, icky. Um, hey, I think I had sex with you last night. Yeah. Oh God! Yeah. yeah. Sixteen candles is just as problematic. Yeah, super bad is the thread that's drawn from those going. Hey, let's take the fun parts of that. And do something a little bit more self-aware. And it's um, and and it and it doesn't feel stilted. It doesn't feel like a killjoy. It it's just as weird and raunchy and obnoxious, but it doesn't do it by shitting on women or shitting on minorities or anything well, like that. It's written by Seth Rogen, and yeah. I think this was one of his. One of the first ones he wrote? Yeah, it's fairly early in his career. And the thing about Seth Rogen is he writes dude comedies and that there's, you know, there's a lot of gross out humor. There's a lot of butt jokes and dick jokes and everything else. And yet at the same time, for all that they're juvenile, they are never offensive. Yeah. I mean, they're they're still white boy humor. Yeah. But... Um, they don't feel like they're doing that at the expense of others. Yes. So women, while they may not be, I mean, they may not be represented a whole lot in the film, they are also never treated as objects. Right. Right. So they may be secondary characters, but they're not second class citizens. Right. And and let's be honest, in Superbad, most of the, the comedy is from Christopher Mintz-Platz playing McLovin. And... <laughs> Just managing to keep being awesome. He keeps just being awesome. And you and I have met him. I know. Because he was at Phenomathon. And he was so sweet and delightful. Because I got to talk to him briefly. And I'm just like, I fucking love you. And he's like, oh, that's so nice. He's so tiny. And he's so, he he was so excited by doing it. Because we saw him because of Kick-Ass. And he was like, I love doing this movie. And I'm so excited. And you guys loved it too. Isn't it great how much we all loved it? (laughs) He was so adorable. He he really is. He's a sweetheart. And and, uh, I, I mean... It's just a fun movie. 
I, I feel like if you haven't seen Superbad, give it a try. It's, um, it's, well, the IMDb, um, duh, 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 <laughs> the, the description of it, two codependent high school seniors are forced to deal with separation anxiety after their plan to stage a booze-soaked party goes awry. So this is a classic, <laughs> this is a classic party scenario, right? Yeah. We're going to host a house party um, to cement our, like, legacy before we graduate high school. Um, and you know, you know, even when sober, I have zero memory of plot. Period. Yes, I know. But if I remember right, there is a party. Christopher Mintz Plass has the fake ID. Therefore, he must get the alcohol and things go awry. Yes, they are. They go out to get the alcohol for the party. And basically, the party kind of has to start without them because trying to get the alcohol becomes a series of misadventures. Yeah. Yeah, which is really an 80s level plot line, but it is executed very well. And Seth Rogen really knows how to write really fun stories, even if yeah. sometimes you're like, oh, goody, butt jokes. Oh, well, oh, yeah. oh, they don't last that long. Oh, good. Now we're going on. Yay. <laughs> okay, so my next party movie, yeah. continuing in the vein of where the party becomes important to the characters in the plot. A turning point. The whole movie is kind of a party, but in a maybe bad way. Cabaret. 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 Liza Minnelli. Bob Fosse directed, choreographed, right? Oh, my God. Bob Fosse. This was the year that he won the Triple Crown. Mm -hmm. He got the Oscar. What? It was for Cabaret, I swear to God. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was. So um, he, 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 got the, he got the Oscar, he got the Tony, and the Emmy? Yes. Yeah. Because he got the Emmy for Liza with the Z. Yep. He got the Tony for, uh, it was, I don't think it was for Chicago. I forget what the Tony was for. Mm-hmm. Um, it might have been for Chicago, but, if, but Chicago was up against Chorus Line. Those mm. two were on Broadway at the same time, by the way. Think about that. It, it blows Good my Lord. mind a little bit. Um. And then he, of course, won the Oscar all in the same year. It's one of those, like, the dude had game. Dude yeah. had game. So Cabaret, the whole movie is about a party. The entire city, the entire country of Germany, the entire world, because it's the late... Um, late 1930s. Yeah, the late 1930s, mm -hmm. right? Um, America's in the grip of a depression, but over in Berlin, everybody's just living it up and having a high old time. And but meanwhile, they're also drunk. They're not paying attention to the rise of the Nazi Party. Hmm. Mm -hmm. hmm. Mm -hmm. So life is a cabaret. So it's. I'm sorry to be dark on you, listeners. It's like, <laughs> oh, let's have a party movie. Parties are fun. Parties mean the goddamn Nazis are coming. <laughs> okay, dear listeners, when you have a party, be careful of Nazis. Don't let Nazis in. Don't let the Nazis in. Nope. No, but no, I no. also thought of this movie because there is. In the movie version, the play is different, but in the movie, there is a, a house party that happens that is a turning point for the characters mm -hmm. in the plot, which is when uh, Liza Minnelli and Michael York, who are a couple, go off with, um, I think his name's Franz. <laughs> well, it's a good guess. <laughs> so the German dude who's very smarmy with his smarmy Errol Flynn mustache. Yes. And um, everybody sleeps with everybody. <laughs> Threesome. Like, well, it, it's not exactly a threesome. Well, it is. And, you know, in terms of plot, it's a threesome. Well, 
Well, they kind of threesome, except that there's a very key moment afterward because it kind of destroys the relationship between Liza Minnelli and Michael York. Mm-hmm. Um, because afterwards, when they come back, the um, the beauty and innocence of their love has been tarnished by the seediness of this weekend that they just had. Mm-hmm. And things begin to fall apart. And Michael York is like, but we were going to build a life together. And Liza Minnelli is like, I'm not done being involved in this party. I haven't, I'm still fully invested in this culture. And so she keeps doubling down on this seedy life she's living. And eventually Michael York has to leave. And it's very, I'm sorry, it's a little depressing, but my God, the dancing is sexy. It is. <laughs> it's oh so my hot. God. And I could, I've told a lot of stories about cabaret already mm-hmm. when we talked about it during the Fosse episode. Mm-hmm. But if you're looking for a musical to watch that is about how parties live in the party life is terrific but maybe also problematic then cabaret is your movie <laughs> so what's your next one wendy no it's your turn i did too you've only oh, done that's one. right you brought it i'm drunk um mm. i love you mm. Mm. you're adorable when you're drunk i am going to pick a perfect host Oh. Okay, so a perfect host. Uh, dear listeners, if you have not heard of this movie, uh, look it up. It is a lot of fun. I have had this movie recommended to me for over a year now, and I just haven't made time, and I keep meaning to. So hopefully this will kick my ass into gear. Okay, a perfect host, ironically, is not a perfect movie. It has its flaws, but I adore it. For various reasons. Uh, Many of them involve David Hyde Pierce. Because, yes. Because, fuck yeah, David Hyde Pierce. I am a total David Hyde Pierce fangirl. I adore the man. I think he is a wonderful comedian. And I will watch him in just about anything. So, A Perfect Host uh, came out mm, five-ish years ago. And it is kind of this dark crime comedy. So you have um, a gentleman who is a thief. He, if I remember right, he robs a convenience store or something like that. There's a heist thing going on. He, he did something bad. And he runs into this rich neighborhood. And in order to get away from the cops, he talks himself into this rich person's home. He he basically, you know, rings the doorbell and says, no, I know this person and um, I uh, can I come in? And he, he talks him his way into the house and the house is owned by David Hyde Pierce. And David Hyde Pierce is preparing for a dinner party. He's cooking. He's in his rich man house. He has the, the very beautiful posh. Uh, kitchen and he welcomes in his guest and uh, this whole thing goes along for quite a long time it stretches out quite a bit and eventually it becomes clear you know I mean all this time you're you're wondering what's the criminal going to do to David Hyde Pierce no it becomes clear David Hyde Pierce is the one you should be worried about <laughs> yay <laughs> That's why I want to see it. I can't wait. And I I hesitate to say more because uh, a lot of the delight is discovering the David Hyde Pierce role as it unfolds because it's David Hyde Pierce chewing scenery for an entire fucking movie. Yay! (laughs) 
Now, uh, I will I will warn you. Um, many of the flaws come in very late in the film. It's like the the film likes to put a twist upon a twist upon a twist. So it it oh. it tries to be too smart with itself. So it kind of falls apart by the end. But you know, don't worry about that. Just just lean back and enjoy the delight that is David Hyde Pierce. All right. It's okay. it's my turn, right? It is your turn. Okay, we're coming back. We're coming mm-hmm. back. All right. Bring it um, in. Bring it in. Okay. So I am changing it up <laughs> from <laughs> my first two depressing choices. <laughs> oh, Cabaret was not your depressing choice. <laughs> well, for both of them were depressed. Like West Side Story, hey, people died. Okay. And then Cabaret, hey, uh, a genocide. Okay. Hello. And so I'm going to change it up and talk about, dude, where's my car? <laughs> <laughs> Which <laughs> Okay, did I ever tell you about were you or were you at? Okay, so um back in way back in the mists of time, like 2002, you're, you're fucked up double feature with fucked Tim. Fucked up double feature night. So Tim Wick and I used to run fucked up double feature night, dear listeners, where we would pick two movies that had absolutely no reason to be played together at all. No connecting uh, DNA at all. And we, our crowning achievement was playing together <laughs> Triumph of the Will and Dude, Where's My Car? I feel like Cabaret and the Dude, Where's My Car is a similar... Like, it's totally just, on the same track. Just about. Because there are also Nazis. I know. <laughs> Nazis. <laughs> Nazis is like rolling a 20 on evil. I you know. know. It, it's super easy. It's like a gimme. Also, America <laughs> is kind of like Nazis right now. I said it. You I did. did. You did. I you did. did. Listeners, I'm sorry to go political on you, but if you haven't figured it out, I'm a goddamn raging liberal and I feel like people just should just be nice to each other because that's my concept of what liberal is. Take care of each other, goddammit. All right, so let's let us proceed with Dude Where's My Car. <laughs> Dude Where's My Car. Yeah. Okay. Now, I've been kind of holding on to this movie because eventually we're going to have our time travel episode. And this mm-hmm. is also a time travel movie, and I fucking love it for that reason. We need to but- get a physicist. <laughs> I can swear. And you I'm know little- we can. We can. I, we gotta get Dr. Jim. We gotta get Dr. Jim, or um, you've got, I think you've got one down in Austin who uh, is also a movie nerd. But anyway, please oh, proceed. Yeah. yeah, Andy. 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 You know Andy. I know, you know Andy. Andy. Well, let's talk to him at Butnumathon. Yeah. Let's get that worked out. Let's get yeah. that shit worked let's out. Let's talk to Andy. Okay, please proceed. Okay. Anyway, um, okay, I, so. I'm, I'm pouring more vodka, just so you know. I am drinking more wine. <laughs> when you said physicist, I heard fisting. Physicists. Fisting to things. Fistacist. That's kind of hot. No, wait, no, it's not. No, let's proceed. Let's let's not get on this tangent. I don't need to know that about you, Melissa. Huh? In a week's time, you're going to be sleeping in my daughter's room. Please don't say that out loud. I, I will. I will cleanse myself. Don't worry. <laughs> If you have never seen Dude, Where's My Car? Because it looked like a piece of shit movie. I am here to tell you, you are goddamned wrong. This movie is delightful. (laughs) (laughs) Am I wrong, Melissa? No, no, you're not. It's delightful. It really kind of is. 
Um, it's got uh, Ashton. C- it's it's totally like Bill and Ted's ish, right? Yeah, and Ashton Kutcher is the Keanu Reeves role, you know. Yeah. And uh, you know, Ashton Kutcher at the height of his Ashton Kutcher powers for whatever they were. Um, well, he's kind of adorable. He really well, he is. is. I mean, he is, he's less surfer than Keanu Reeves. He's got that Iowan sort of thing going for him. And but, yeah, Sean no, William I, Scott is the um, Ted Theodore Logan. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, but anyway, so it kind of follows a hangover plot. Mm-hmm. And that these two really stupid people wake up in the morning and are like, what happened last night? And they are working their way back. The hangover ripped off Dude, Where's My Car? Because <laughs> Dude, where my, Where's My Car was first. So it's the idea of waking up in the morning, not having a memory of what happened and starting to work your way back and putting it all together of, wait, what did happen last night? And what happened last night is so goddamn epic that you can't even remember it. Because aliens and time travel, motherfuckers. (laughs) And this is both a movie with a party at its core and a movie you put on when you're at a party. This movie is party central. If you want to have a good time, light one up, light up a bliffy, right? A fat one. Uh, did you right? say bliffy? <laughs> I meant is that a real it. term? No, did you, I'm drunk. Did you, did you make that up? I might have because I'm drunk. I appreciate that. Get your get your flask out. <laughs> smoke them if you got them. And fucking watch Dude, Where's My Car? And have a goddamn good time. Because it is better than it has any right I, of I agree. being. I agree. Like, I am here to evangelize for Dude, Where's My Goddamn Car? <laughs> So, listeners, and, and when you, you watch it after Triumph of the Will, it, <laughs> it will reaffirm your faith in humanity for whatever it's worth. Oh, Melissa! <laughs> so, if you're if you're if you're wanting to party it up on New Year's Eve, <laughs> I recommend Dude Where's My Car. All right, it's your turn. Ooh, okay, I'm going to pick this one because I'm afraid. I'm going to get drunker. (laughs) (laughs) And I think if I don't pick this one now, I won't be able to describe it later. Okay, so there is this movie called Coherence. I know, I have not even heard of this movie's existence. Yeah, and um, I'm not surprised by that because this is a movie that was made with zero money. And when I mean zero money there was no budget like the actual like dollar amount was zero paid for this this thing but like this person wishes he had espinoza's budget pretty much okay so so uh coherence was uh made by james ward burkett with a bunch of his actor friends and he basically invited them over to i believe his house for a dinner party and they made a movie they made a movie with like a camcorder and note cards oh. that the actors were not given a script. The, the actors were given note cards as the scenes happened and they improvised their way through them. So coherence is a movie that it, it's a sci-fi film that, um, 
basically all these these characters gather at a house for a dinner party they're drinking wine they're having dinner they're having conversations with each other uh characterizations are happening here and there and a thing happens where there's this comet passing overhead that night and this weird patch of darkness happens on the street and I can't remember quite how the plot happens because that's how I am, even when sober. And um, they, a couple of the characters go outside to investigate. Like, things are weirdly quiet on the street and, and things are, you know, like they're out of touch with the rest of humanity. So a couple people go out to investigate and they come back not quite the same. Uh-oh. And things unfold like that. And it's it's... It's a very smart sci-fi story, but the the way it's made is that literally these people came to this dinner party and they decided to make a movie and everybody is improvising the script. I love it. And it is better than it has any right to be. Where um, can I find it? Um, That's a good question. I think it's on, on streaming right now. I will have to check. I will put it in the show notes, but it, um, it's smart. It is well edited, it's well acted, and it is really fun. It opened Fantastic Fest a couple years ago, and people oh. just went bonkers over it. It is so fun. Oh, it's yeah. It's really good. It's really good. But yeah, it's a party movie in that the whole thing revolves around this party. There are no special effects. It's all characters. It's all improv- improvisation. It's... um kind of this wonderful sci-fi thing happening in the background. Smart stuff. Really great. Awesome. (laughs) All right, it's my turn. Your turn. I'm going to go for my fourth party movie with Stripes. Well chosen. I know, right? This is a movie that I feel like has gotten a little bit lost in the uh, shifting sands of time. Yeah. This is a Bill Murray movie. We all love Groundhog Day. We all love Ghostbusters. But do we remember Stripes? Because Stripes had Harold Ramis, too. And Stripes is fantastic. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there is the point where they steal the RV. (laughs) (laughs) They steal the war RV. And just because they think it'll be fun and let's have a good time. And then they're like, oh, shit, we have to go break our comrades out of East Berlin. (laughs) I, I saw that movie when I was too young and I appreciated parts of it. And then I saw it like five years later and I was like, oh, this movie's funny. And it's got John Candy, too. It does. Rest in peace. John Candy. Um, it's got a it's got a fuckload of people and, in it. And John Lerquette. Yes. From, from Night Court. It's got John Lerquette. So it's got um it's got that underdog quality first, yep. where he and Harold Ramis are these two cabbies. Their lives are going nowhere, and they see an ad for the army, and I forget which one of them it is because it's been years. But it's like, if you can do five push-ups, it's like, we should join the army that would give our lives purpose. We would travel. We would see the world. We would be guaranteed a paycheck. We wouldn't have to deal with these goddamn fucking fairs. Okay, if you can do like five push-ups, then we'll go join the army. (laughs) And so (laughs) then he does. He manages to do five push-ups. 
kind of barely. Mm-hmm. And they go and they join the army. Two people who have no business in the army. And they end up in the most bullshit, fucked up, loserville company for their training. And, oh, what, who's the actor who plays um, their sergeant? Oh, Jesus. I don't remember. <laughs> they call him their big toe. That's what I remember about it. But so as they're in training, they um, so they lose their staff sergeant halfway through training. And because they're such fuck ups, John Larroquette as the CO just leaves them be and they train themselves right in in a training montage in a single night of and. Then they come marching out for the final like graduation ceremony and they do a whole thing and it's so great. And that's only halfway through the movie because yeah. now they're the they're the Hollywood core. They're the core everybody wants because they're so awesome. So they get assigned to the special unit in East Berlin to guard this <laughs> basically like an RV of doom. It's just it's like a it's like a Winnebago with war capabilities. And they and it's oh it's Sean Young is one yeah, of the it girls. Is. It is. And so they've got these two girls they want to impress. They're like, hey, let's go on a party in our RV of doom. And they go off for a joyride. And then they're and then their company members get like captured and they have to go break them out. It's so ridiculous and so much fun. Mm-hmm. If you've never seen Stripes because it has been lost in the sands of time, seek it out. It is a total film that you put on during a party as well as a party waiting to happen. Mm-hmm. It's so fun. It is. It is. I vouch for it. All right. What do you got, yeah. Melissa? I'm going to drink some more. I'm mm. going to go I'm going to do gross point blank. Bravo. Yeah, I know, right? So, dear listeners, if you've never seen Gross Point Blank, it is a hitman who has uh, decided to go to his high school reunion. And the hitman is John Cusack. John Cusack is the hitman. I know we've uh, mentioned this movie before, especially in the uh, Nicolas Cage episode episodes. And uh, <laughs> why did we bring it up in terms of the Nicolas Cage? I was drunk oh, because, for a lot of those. Because uh, John Cusack is in several Nicolas Cage movies, but um, and because oh, yeah. he's a scary motherfucker, according to Danny Trejo, but. <laughs> That's true. I remember that part. That's right. So Wayne Blank, he is a hitman who has decided to, you know, kind of go back to his roots and visit his high school reunion and um, see the woman he left behind. Basically, the his high school sweetheart, who is now a DJ in Gross Point, and uh, kind played of re- by Minnie Driver, who is beautiful. Minnie Driver, who is um, wonderfully charismatic. Yes. She's wonderful in that movie. And uh, her father is Dan Aykroyd. Ah, and uh, Wait, no. Is that her father or is that his rival? Because Dan Aykroyd is the other... It's both, I thought. Oh, no, no, no. Her father is the target of Dan Aykroyd. Her father is the target of Dan Aykroyd. That's right, that's right, that's right. Ah, yeah. I remember there were father figures going after each other. So anyway, so anyway... eh, but it's he, got Dan Aykroyd. But it's one got of Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> and uh, for as crazy as he is. <laughs> and uh, so John Cusack and Minnie Driver being adorable, having lovely uh, chemistry with each other. Oh, yeah. 
And it's this party that brings them together. It's the, it's the high school reunion. And it's this ode to the 1980s because they were in high school in the 1980s. And it has a great soundtrack. It's this great 80s soundtrack to it. And, but it's also this really solid uh, Hitman movie, as well as this kind of heartwarming comedy. It, it plays the, the kind of heartwarming against the cold, steely hitman-ness very, very well. It's a black heartwarming comedy. Yeah. Yeah. It's wonderful. It's a just wonderful. black comedy. If you have never seen it, it is a very solid movie. I highly recommend it. It is- Also, it's got Joan Cusack- Yes. <laughs> playing his secretary, playing John Cusack's secretary. And when Joan and John are in the same movie, it is delightful. The two of them oh, have God. true sibling chemistry. Mm-hmm. I love them together. And I she, fucking love Joan Cusack. She's amazing. I've, just that woman alone. deserved a better career than what she got because she's oh so fucking good. She's a fantastic character actress. I hope, like, if she gets past the, you know, the weird, awkward aging thing that females unfortunately have in in hollywood i want her to be not old enough yeah i want her to be the most amazing older character actress ever like i want ever i want judy dench to like clench her teeth and go god damn it i wish i was joan cusack yeah yeah because joan cusack has the goods she's amazing but um she's just delightful in gross point blank she's the best secretary in the world like if if I had a secretary, I want Joan Cusack to be my secretary. Like, burn it all. Joan Cusack's there with the gasoline, just dumping it on the files and throwing the mash. That is what she is. She's amazing. It, it, but it's like every minor character in the movie has that same verve. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a fucking great movie. It, the uh, It's directed so well. It has this wonderful, bright, colorful, cheerful tone to it. It, it has this verve and life to it, and yet has this lovely undercurrent of, this guy's a bad guy. He's, he's a contract killer, and he's yet you're rooting killer. for him. You're rooting for him, but he has, as he says, a certain moral flexibility. <laughs> By the way, Melissa, I think I might have a certain moral flexibility, too. Oh, oh God, I, I really do. Why no was idea. I never recruited as a contract killer? I'd be good at it and I'd make so much money. <laughs> oh, they come from the military? Chris is telling me they come yeah. from the military. Yeah, they I do. would not be good at the military. I would look at the person and be like, fuck you. Now, if you want me to do jazz hands, I could do jazz hands. Okay, my last film. I wrote right. my last film. All right. Are you, wait, did I start or did you start? I no, can't. you go. You go. I've got one left. Okay. My last film listeners, I have now caught up with Malaysia. Nah. My last film listeners is the classic party film. <laughs> Clue. <laughs> oh my God, I love Clue. I love Clue so much. I love Clue. Oh my God, Wendy, I love Clue. I know you love Clue. I love Clue too. I recently rewatched it and God damn it, I love that movie oh so goddamn much. I love how much fun everybody in that movie is having. I love the behind the scenes articles that pop up in, once in a while that remind you that everybody in that movie was having a goddamn good time. Yeah. Because it's so much fun. 
This is the movie that said you can take a board game and make an awesome movie out of it. <laughs> I love it. This is a movie that had, I mean, I know I say this a lot. This really is a movie that has no right to be this good. Seriously. But, oh my God. Oh my God. This is like Mel Brooks level of comedy. Not just because it has Madeline Kahn in it, because Madeline Kahn elevates everything. But oh my oh. God. I have told you that I got to see Madeline Kahn live, right? She's amazing. I got to see her in Hello, Dolly! when she was touring. I love her so much. I love her very much. It's got Martin Mull. It's got... um, Tim Curry. It's got Tim Curry. It's got Leslie Ann Warren. Yeah. It's got... uh, Michael McKeon. Thank you. I was blanking on his name. It's got... Oh, my God. It's got... uh, It's got Doc Brown. Um, 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 uh, uh, Christopher uh, uh, Lloyd. Christopher Lloyd. It's yeah. got everybody goddamn in it. Oh, my Eileen Brennan. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. So, um, listeners, this is the classic board game clue, which, by the way, I feel like a lot of people have not played because they've been into their Settlers of Catan, maybe, or whatever, or their Battlestar Galactica. If you're in Britain, it's called Cluedo. You need to dig out Clue. By the way, Chris, add that to my... Um, I need you to add that to my Christmas wish list because Teddy needs to learn how to play Clue. I think we can all agree the younger generation needs to learn how to play Clue. Well, it's exactly because it is a logic game. This is how you learn logic at the most basic level. You are crossed out. You are crossed out. You can't be it. Therefore, you Mm -hmm. are it. Yeah. Love it. it. It is, um, if you ever had a subscription to one of the games magazines and you have those logic puzzles in front of you, Clue is the basic form of that. I love those logic puzzles. I love them. So do I. I had, I am looking at them right now. I am in my office and I have these, all these game books that are half filled out because um, that's what I used to do on plane flights. And uh, yeah, they're all logic puzzles i love those things but that that's clue my husband has recently asked me for present ideas as we know i've asked for biographies of (laughs) famous americans but i have also asked for board games i am going to ask for the clued board game clued clue board game and i am also going to ask for a subscription to games magazine because i fucking loved that shit when i was younger games is amazing i love it right Right. Yeah. Between battle the battleship games and and the logic games, I'm all over it. It's good stuff. So, but here's what elevates Clue. The goddamn yeah. cast is hilarious. Yeah. Like I said, it's it's Mel Brooks level shit. I mean, this is an amazing comedic cast given plenty to do, and it is rapid fire comedy. And so to tie it back to the party element, they are all invited for a dinner party. And then somebody dies and they have to figure out what the fuck is going on. And it's awesome from there. Mm -hmm. It is both a movie you put on during a party and a movie about a party. It is both listeners. And if you have managed to never see it, that's bullshit. Get it. And then just enjoy. Now, this is what was super fun about it. I'm old enough that I remember when this was in the theaters and it had an A ending, a B ending, and a C ending. Originally... They were not going to tell you which ending was which. Mm-hmm. 
and then mm-hmm. they and then and then viewers were like, "No, really, I don't want to see the same ending. I want to see a different ending. So would you please tell me so I know which ending I'm seeing?" And so then they started labeling the ending. So you could be like, oh, I saw the C ending. I'd like to see the B ending. Because here's the thing. Since it was a murder mystery, there were a lot of different ways it could play out. And when you watch it on DVD, what's great is, is it walks through. It goes, it does the A ending. And it goes, but maybe it happened like this. B ending. But here's what really happened. C ending. And done. And it's so great. Mm-hmm. It's so great. <laughs> I remember that so well. I mean, uh, that was right when I was starting to hit the the movie fandom. I, I had a a subscription to Premiere Magazine and the whole oh. thing, and um, I I remember tracking throughout town which theaters had which ending, <laughs> so we could see them. I just finished the bottle. I'm still working on my Kickapoo and vodka combination. Oh, my you God. You started the podcast drunk, and I am ending the podcast drunk. Mm. So we are now finally in the same place. Oh, God. I have a glass of wine, and I will drink it okay. to you, my friend. Okay. I don't know if I want to do the long way around on this story. Should I? I don't know. We may not live to see the glory. We may not live to see the glory, but we will celebrate tonight. This is from Hamilton. Go ahead. Okay. Just tell me okay. the long way around, Melissa. I'm going to okay, drink anyway. Okay, the long way around. The long way around. Okay, my final movie. I will tell you the long way around how it came upon this movie. Okay. I'm in Spain. <laughs> so, I'm in Spain. I'm in Spain. Just go with me. I am Just working and it. living in Spain. I am working on archaeological digs in spain uh in this gibraltar is, gibraltar is not spain or at least oh. it wasn't at this point in time but you this were was, you were at gibraltar though once, i was I'm, okay. I'm getting there i'm getting there okay getting okay, there. okay 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 so okay. i i was living and working in toledo which is center of the country near madrid about a half an hour away did you ever go to la sagrada familia no i didn't you and i will travel to spain and we will go see la sagrada familia together that would be amazing I would I love, love that, that so much. I okay, want to go. go back to Spain so much. It's wonderful. So You will I- be my guide and we will eat Spanish food and we will see La Sagrada Familia when I start making money at my new job, which I will start doing any day now. That's amazing. You go on now. Okay. So I was living and working in Spain. This was uh, the year 2000. So this is before Gibraltar was handed over, that whole thing. And so in Toledo, I'm you know working daily on this... Uh, archaeological dig halfway between Toledo and Madrid. It is in the middle of Don Quixote country. I don't speak a word of fucking Spanish, okay? (laughs) That is not true. You can say burrito and hola. Uh, Donde es el baño? I got that down. So um, That is four words. I know, (laughs) right? I know how to find the bathroom. That's important. So uh, one of my other friends on the trip also does not speak Spanish. So we decide for one of our weekends, we go to Gibraltar. Like you do. Like you do. Uh, because Gibraltar was English territory, which means people in there speak English. <laughs> and we figure, hey, neither of us have been to England before. We go to Gibraltar. We will get English stamps in our passport. And that is an exciting thing. So we... <laughs> We plan this weekend. So on Friday night, we travel to Madrid. 
And then uh, we clumsily order tickets to go all the way to La Linea, Spain, which is right across the border from Gibraltar. And we get to the bus station and we uh, get our tickets and we board this bus to La Linea, which is a nine hour bus trip overnight (laughs) and on this bus there are tvs which is a really novel thing in 2000 yeah Uh, they're showing operation dumbo drop (laughs) which is a horrendous movie especially when dubbed into spanish and about three in the morning three in the morning four in the morning my cohort jennifer starts getting kind of queasy Oh, no. She's not feeling well. So she winds up in the bathroom a few times. Not doing well. This isn't good. We eventually, after nine hours, wind up in the darkness in at like three, four in the morning in La Linea, Spain. This is... Uh, La Linea is right on the coast of the Mediterranean. It is right across the border from Gibraltar. And uh, so basically you can walk between La Linea and Gibraltar. It's like a continuous urban area. There's just an international border in between them, right? <laughs> so it is four in the fucking morning and there's nothing going on in La Linea, Spain because, you know, it's a small town. There's no fucking light- nightlife. We get to La Linea. Jennifer is sick as a dog. We are in the bus depot. We are the only two people who got off that bus. <laughs> We are in that bus depot alone. There's nobody there. Jennifer is vomiting in the bathroom because she has food poisoning. Oh. I'm not feeling so hot either. You've been up for nine hours on a bus in Spain. Oh, no. We drank the same water in Madrid. Oh, dear. So we're in La Linea. Jennifer's vomiting. I'm not feeling so hot. And um, it's four in the morning. And my guidebook says to get to Gibraltar, you... Look at the G- Rock of Gibraltar and you walk towards the Rock of Gibraltar, which is very easy to do in the daylight. It is not daylight. <laughs> so Jennifer finishes vomiting. <laughs> and we both stand Jennifer aloft. Finishes, Jennifer finishes vomiting yes. is the name of my Toad the Wet Sprocket cover band. <laughs> it's so true you have no idea so we we stand outside the bus station it is pitch black outside and we go which direction is gibraltar i don't know (laughs) we pick a direction that that way it looks like it has more lights okay (laughs) so we start walking in that direction thankfully we guessed correctly because we start walking towards the lights. Thankfully, the lights are a border. They're an international fucking border. That's They're good. an international border. It's an international border. This this is crossing between Spain and Great Britain. At least it was in 2000. So, so I go, Jennifer and I, you know, Jennifer occasionally pausing to vomit in the gutter. Um, <laughs> we walk towards the border. And... We, we get to the border. It's all lit with fluorescent lights. It's very dark. 
It, I mean, the, the sun, you can tell, is just starting to, like, maybe think about coming up above the horizon, but it's still very dark. So we get to the border, and we have our passports out. We're going, okay, we came all this way. We're going to get a fucking stamp in our passports, right? Okay, we get to the border guards. The border guards are playing fucking poker. Border guards just wave us through. They don't even look. They don't even look at our passports. They just wave us through. Just wave us through. And so... We get to the other side of the border and we go, oh, no, no stamp. And so we, we look around us and there is darkness. And I look and I see there's a light like way up in the air, like almost directly above me. Almost, not quite. And I realize that is the observatory on the top of the Rock of Gibraltar. Like the Rock of Gibraltar suddenly emerges out of the darkness. There's like a dark shape in, in front of blackness in front of me. There is like a 2,000 foot rock wall immediately in front of me. That is the rock of Gibraltar that I didn't notice before. And, <laughs> and there it is. I go, oh shit, that's the rock of Gibraltar. But in between us and the rock of Gibraltar is another obstacle. Uh-huh. See, Gibraltar they built Gibraltar on a little fucking peninsula that goes out into the uh, Mediterranean Ocean. And there's this little isthmus that connects it <laughs> Could you to Spain. Isthmus. <laughs> and the, the little thin strip of land, like when I say thin strip of land, it's like 75 feet wide. And the isthmus. Isthmus. And across that, <laughs> going off into the water on either side, is an airstrip because there is no room to put an airstrip on Gibraltar, right? So they just put it off into the ocean on either side of this peninsula, right? Like you do. So in order to get into Gibraltar, we have to run across an active airstrip. (laughs) And there are planes landing. As the sun is rising, there are planes landing and we have to gauge the planes so we can run across the airstrip to get into the city we're trying to get to. (laughs) While we're vomiting. (laughs) I'm not feeling so hot. Jennifer, vomiting. So, we get, we run across the airstrip. No incidents there, thankfully. You're still here, so clearly. (laughs) And we, we, um... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you never know, given my history. So we, we get into Gibraltar, and we have very clear directions how to get to the hotel we're going to. Not that any of the streets in Gibraltar are labeled. Oh, God. So we wander around in the morning as the sun is rising over the beautiful Mediterranean, as the seagulls are coming awake and screeching to their heart's content. Jennifer is vomiting in the gutters as we're walking along the uh, the coast. Da 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 da. Da 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 da. We get all lost. We get we get totally lost. And Jennifer is vomiting. And I'm not. I'm really not feeling hot. So we. It's about seven thirty in the morning. Beautiful golden morning. And we come across this beautiful gleaming skyscraper on the coast. And this beautiful little security guard, she's like five foot two, redheaded, curly haired, little nose piercing, security guard uniform comes out. It's, you're a bit lost, ain't you? (laughs) Just maybe. And we go, yeah. 
where are you heading to? And I go, the Queen's Hotel. And she goes, oh, that's clear across the island from here. I'll call you a cab. Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> and she, she entertains us while, like, Jennifer's laying on the ground, very, very sick. <laughs> <laughs> and the cat, and and she's she's telling us the 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 story about how she came to to Gibraltar from Great Britain and all that you know hence the the accent and everything. She was very sweet. Cab comes, picks us up, takes us to the Queen's Hotel. I I swear this is getting to a movie at some point. So takes us to the Queen's Hotel, <laughs> and. We arrive at the Queen's Hotel, which is right at the foot of the Rock of Gibraltar. Like, literally, you walk across the street, and there's a rock face that goes straight up 1,500 feet. It's amazing. It's beautiful. Did you take we, a picture? No, because it was sick as a fucking dog. So, God damn it, Melissa. I know. It, it, you have no idea. So we get into the Queen's Hotel. Queen's Hotel, you know, the lovely British desk clerk gets us checked in. We get, go up to the second second room. Thankfully, we have our own bathroom, which is a rarity in that town. Yeah. Oh, my God. It was such a blessing. Because you were puking into oh it. Oh, God. We, it's like 9 a.m. We are in this this Mediterranean town. We have our own bathroom, thank God. Jennifer's sick, and so am I. By that time, it hit me <laughs> because I'm puking, too. So we are in the Queen's Hotel in Gibraltar. And we are both sick, sick, so sick. We are each flopped in our own twin bed in this hotel room. And that's when the cockroaches come out. <laughs> and I, as the biologist, note with some fascination that there are two different species of cockroaches. <sighs> because they're the little tiny motherfuckers, the little German cockroaches scampering around the room there there are a lot of them and right by my bed there's one huge motherfucker he's like three and a half inches long not measuring the antennae he's like texas size ginormous motherfucker jesus i call him roachzilla yeah he's he's right by my bed he's huge and right by my bed also on the um on the little uh night table is this really heavy glass ashtray and I go, that ashtray, I could use it to kill Roachzilla. But if I do that, I'd have to clean it up. Ugh. And that is what caused me to not kill Roachzilla. <laughs> <laughs> I was that fucking sick. So, so throughout the day, Jennifer and I take turns vomiting in the bathroom in our lovely pi private bathroom well um it gets increasingly hot in the room because it is the mediterranean and it's the middle of july and um oh, sweet outs Jesus. outside of the bedroom is the rock of gibraltar which if you are not aware is the home to the barbary apes which is a class of primate which is um kind of like monkey-sized ape they there's a whole herd of them on the rock of Gibraltar that are kind of just isolated to that rock. They are fucking loud. And during that weekend, I think there was also a convention of seagulls because there were about <laughs> 8 billion seagulls on the rock as well. And if something scared the seagulls, the seagulls would screech and then they'd scare the apes and the apes would screech and then the seagulls would screech and it would just be 
<laughs> you know, uh, this ever, ever increasing cycle. And, you know, beyond that, we were just above the dumpsters, which means, you know, on, it was also trash day, which means there was a trash <laughs> compactor coming going beep, 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 <laughs> right outside our window. So, <laughs> ee, ee, As we are vomiting in the bedroom with cockroaches. So we somehow survived this day. I can't and, handle this. What movie are you fucking talking about? In the evening. In the evening. In the evening. We have recovered enough that we are now somewhat pleasant to each other again. And we have stopped vomiting, thankfully. We have actually broken out the iodine tablets that I have in my camp kits <laughs> to make sure we don't get sick again. <laughs> but we're, we're kind of isolated in this hotel room. You know, we came all this way to Gibraltar and we can't go out and enjoy the town because we are too sick to do so. But we're in this hotel room. God damn it. We're going to watch British television, right? So we turn on the British television. We, we watch some, rugby and we go i don't know what the fuck is going on we we watch some cricket we don't go i don't know what the fuck is going on we flip a few few more channels and we come to back to school with rodney dangerfield (laughs) and that is my final movie pick Oh my god, that was so the long way around. I I told you, I told you, I warned you, I warned you. So, <laughs> so back to school with Rodney Dangerfield. So I'm I don't watching. Know if the listeners can handle that far we went. I don't know either. I don't know, but sober Melissa will figure it out. So anyway, here's back to school with Rodney Dangerfield. And and as we're watching this, Roachzilla is sitting on top of the fucking TV, waving his antennas at us. He's just sitting there, enjoying the movie like we are. Just waving his antennas ominously, or perhaps like a friend. I don't know. I don't know. He was over there. But we're watching Back to School with Rodney Dangerfield. I can't Dangerfield. handle this. I can't handle this. I'm having the giggles. Because <laughs> we're, we're talking about Rochelle watching back to the. So I'm sitting there school. watching Back to School with Rodney Dangerfield, right? With, Which is with, a really enjoyable film. With Keith Gordon, right? Yeah. Right. Which is yeah. an amazing movie. It's great. <laughs> and we took so long to get there, I got lost. I know, right? But I'm so drunk, Melissa. I tried to catch up with you, and I think I passed you. <laughs> So, okay, dear listeners, if you're not familiar with Back to School, this is an 80s movie. Oh, uh, featuring, yeah, it is. Feature, oh, God, it's so 80s. Uh, like 1986 sort of 80s. This is like dead center of the 80s. So, um, Keith Gordon, who you might know from Christine, uh, <laughs> goes to college. Right. And his father is Rodney Dangerfield. You know, I can't get no respect, you know, that guy. And Rodney Dangerfield is this entrepreneur. He's rich. He's filthy rich. But he decides that, you know, when his son goes to college, he wants to reconnect with the son. So he decides to go to college with him. Right. Because he doesn't have a college degree. He's just a self-made man. So the the whole movie is the the father and son going to college together. 
which is kind of sweet. Oh my god, did you know that Robert Downey Jr. was in this? Yes, yes I did. That's part of the reason why I brought it up. Because <laughs> he's, he's the go- so attractive. He is the goofy friend of Keith Gordon. Oh, I can't handle that. I know, right? And and this is like prime young Robert Downey Jr. This is the young goofy Robert Downey Jr., right? <laughs> so so you've got Rodney Dangerfield and Keith Gordon kind of going through parallel plot lines. So they're both finding love at college. They're having trouble with their professors. Keith Gordon is trying to, you know, kind of distance himself from his father. And his father's trying to connect with the son. But, uh, you know, Rodney Dangerfield uh, finds a love interest in in uh, Sa- Sally Kellerman, who is yeah. great. Yeah. He's great. I can't remember who uh, Keith Gordon hooks up with, but you know he has this goofy friend in Robert Downey Jr. But the the delight is <laughs> is Rodney Dangerfield as a rich man in college who's already gone through life, and he he loves the party, but he he has the the money and the influence to do whatever he wants. Yeah. So he's like the ultimate danger, right? <laughs> he it's really a better film than you thought it would be. Yeah, it's super good. It 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 is really really funny. And uh Rodney it, it, Rodney Dangerfield does stuff like I need to write a a, a paper on Vonnegut. Well, I'll just buy Kurt Vonnegut and Kurt Vonnegut shows up. Okay, so when <laughs> Kurt Vonnegut shows up in your movie. <laughs> I know, right? I know. Also, do you know who else is in this movie? <laughs> Sam Kennison and Robert yes! Picardo. Yes, Sam Kennison is one of the professors. He's brilliant. And uh, Edie McClurg? Yeah. What the it, hell? It, it's like Cameo Central. And Oingo Boingo shows up. To sing Dead Men's Party. Uh-huh. It's a Dead Men's Party. Who could you ask, could ask for, for more? more. <laughs> I can't handle it. I can't. I'm too drunk for this, Melissa. I just I delivered. I just delivered my whole Gibraltar story as a lead up to back to school. I am. I tried to catch up with you, and I think I went plaid. You're drinking. I can hear it. I oh god, I'm so drunk. I love it. Okay, the next day we climbed the rock of Gibraltar, fuckers. <laughs> we were so drunk we were so sick but we climbed that motherfucking rock that's what you do god damn it yeah because we we came all that way we're gonna go up on the rock of gibraltar some people go back to school to get their degree and other people climb the goddamn rock of gibraltar and for all i know roachzilla survives to this day all right listeners if you've been listening we've been partying while we've been podcasting. Oh, Jesus. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> right there. So oh. I hope to Christ you're listening and partying too, because you know what? 2015 was a weird, a very odd year. Yeah. And I'm, yeah. Hoping, for, I'm hoping for better in 2016. There were things that were wrong with 2015. I'm hoping they get better with 2016. Melissa, I think we can both agree that 2016 will be more awesome than 2015. Yes, I agree. I concur. I concur as well. Mm. So listeners, go fucking party like it's 2015 and look forward to 2016. Indeed. And we will see you in the new year. 
All right. What do you have, Wendy? What do you have for... (laughs) Try again. (laughs) Hey, Wendy, it is time for recommendations. (laughs) Did that sound drunk? I don't know if it did. Let's make sure. So, Wendy... Oh, you are so drunk. I am also what, drunk. What What do you have to recommend? Because I sprinted to catch up with you. You know what I have? Okay, we are in the season of goddamn turkey meals. Okay, turkey. Here's the thing. If you haven't had Alton Brown's cranberry sauce, you have been oh. missing out. It oh, makes Jesus. turkey better by an exponential ratio. <laughs> I'm not shitting you. I'm not. I'm not shitting you. Oh, no, no, no. I have no doubts in you. It's your it's your cadence that makes me laugh. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to send tomorrow. Remind me. I'm going to remind you. I'm going to send you shut up. I'm going to send you I'm going to send you the URL to Alton Brown's cranberry sauce recipe. Chris and I discovered this like four or five years ago. And since then, like seriously, we make the turkey. The turkey is awesome. And then we dip it in the cranberry sauce. And we're like, oh, my God, it's a vehicle for cranberry sauce. And it's so good. I love it. It's amazing. You've had Thanksgiving, but but Christmas is still coming up. And you don't know what you're doing for Christmas. Christmas is sort of vague. What you want to do is have another turkey and then make some more cranberry sauce so you can eat that shit all the way through Granberry. Granberry? January. <laughs> oh my god, it's so good. I will I will send them I will send the Melissa the link and you will eat it. You will eat it. It's so good. <laughs> oh, my God. I worked so hard to catch up with you, and then I went farther. I, it's like, okay. It's okay. I'm about I to went, like, level. supernova no, you caught drunk. Up. You caught up. You caught up. You totally I did. I am, like, supernova drunkening. Oh, what shit. Do you got? What do you got? What do you got? I got... <clears throat> oh, what did I have? Oh. <laughs> okay. So... <clears throat> A few days before Thanksgiving, uh, Fess and I actually had a night off where we were both off. We didn't have to work. So we went, hey, we should go spend time with each other because, you know, right? And uh, so we went to a restaurant we hadn't been to before. We went to Broder's Pasta Bar in Minneapolis, in South Minneapolis. And uh, we went there because I went, oh, shit, I want really good Italian, like really good Italian. So what's the best Italian joint in the Twin Cities? So I did a little bit of Internet research and we went, Broder's Pasta Bar seems to be the place. And so we showed up there and it was like a 45 minute wait to get in just for the two of us because they don't take reservations and they're the new hotness. And they only have like six tables in the place because this is seriously a little hole in the wall joint when it's uh, when oh, it's winter time. But while we were waiting, uh, some people who were exiting, the guy went, "It's worth the wait." Oh my god, it's worth the wait. So we're like, mm, mm. so we get seated. And uh, first of all, the wait staff is amazing. And uh, later on, I heard from other waiters who work at other establishments in the cities go, 
yeah, nobody ever leaves that place because it's amazing and all the waiters are fantastic. So like one of the, the waiter we had was just amazing. And we go, okay, so what's the best stuff? And we got for an appetizer, just the, the fried calamari, which is kind of a staple for an Italian restaurant. As it is. I have never had calamari like that. Oh, this is like the best calamari I've ever had in my life. My measure of a great restaurant is if they can take something that's staple and elevate it to a new level. And this is like recalibration of my expectations of fried calamari. This was amazing. Um, the texture was just perfect. There wasn't a hint of rubberiness, but it was it it was just perfectly cooked. It was it was amazing. It it was like melt in your mouth. And you you don't think of calamari of melting in your mouth. No, this was amazing. So that was the appetizer. So you know, high expectations. No, they kept they kept bringing food to us and we kept eating it and it was like recalibration of our standards of Italian food. This was this was amazing. This was just perfection. So, dear listeners, if you're in Minneapolis, go to Broder's Pasta Bar. Ah. It's fantastic. And it's not that expensive either. I mean, it's it's like $15 a plate. So, you but take it's not, me there. But it's you not like stellar sort of sort of prices. No, this this is amazing stuff for reasonable upscale pricing. So, dear listeners, this has been Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome, and I am over-enunciating because I am drunk, and I am Melissa, and this has been my overly drunk co-host. Windy! Yay! <laughs> and we will be back next year in a week. <laughs> Where we will hopefully entertain you with more coherence than we have had in this episode. <laughs> we love you all. Happy 2016. Happy fucking New Year. Happy Yay. fucking New Year. Yay. 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 <laughs> Oh, God. Oh, my God, Wendy. Oh, God. <laughs> Thank you for joining us in the Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. Our theme song was written by Tim Wick and Jeffrey Brown and recorded and mastered by Chad Dutton. New episodes arrive every Thursday. You can find us on iTunes and on Stitcher. You can also visit us at xanaducinema.com, follow us on Twitter at xanaducinema, and like us on Facebook at Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. Sweetie, could you put on a hat and take off your shirt? What? Because Fest did that for Melissa. <laughs>